I'm Willie D. Nelson from All Things Good and Nerdy, a pop culture podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other tantalizingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Welcome to the 333rd episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew, and here with me is the B to my A-N-A-N-A-S, Chris Farrell. I hate you so much. <gasps> That's why you don't tell me that you hate things. Also, SP can't be here this week, but uh, Suncast is here. Hey, Suncast. Hi. You're going to do what I was going to do. <laughs> Perfect. You're a bunch of real life trolls. <laughs> yes, Get back we are. your bridge, trolls. <laughs> you expect anything less? Right? <sighs> you should know hoping. us by now, Chris. You don't tell hoping. us anything. Uh, okay, so for those of you who are not watching the audio side of things or the ones who are watching the video side of things, uh, Chris Farrell and I both have matching colors uh, because apparently we are in sync. That's what it is. You guys are color coordinated. <gasps> yes, Cr we're both wearing red shirts, which means neither of us are going to go on an away mission anytime soon. There, I'll do the call color up. Does that help? Does it make me look extra DB? Extra DB. <laughs> like on a scale of 1 to 10, you were at a 12. Perfect. Uh, Except you guys need to go on Twitter and let us know which one who wore, wore it better. Yes, who wore it better? Was it me or was it Chris? Which one of us wore it better? It's always Chris. Obviously, it's me. <laughs> yeah, it's our true, because Suncast decided not to. It was the smart move. <laughs> and our chat, by the way, is full, full of comments. Uh, we have a uniform now. Also, we can work at Target now, Chris. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you want to work at Target right now. Pays the bills. Yeah, uh, I, I like to avoid people still. So before we do get into the news here, uh, I want to mention right now that if you haven't lately gone to geeks.live on Sundays at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a... What time do you do ATGN so I can finish this joke? 11 a.m. Eastern. 11 a.m. Eastern time. You should check it out on Sundays because you missed it yesterday. If you missed it like I was, you missed Chris do a solo show. So you should always on Sunday at 11 a.m., Eastern Time at Geeks.Live. Go watch all things good and nerdy because you never know when Chris is going to do a solo show. 42-minute solo show. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. There were awkward moments where I was about to cough and I had to hit the mute button and drink water real quick and come back on mic and be like, this is why you don't do solo shows, kids. So, yeah, you should definitely uh, make sure to check that out. Um, at www.geeks.live, as well as all of the other amazing geeky content that you can find on the Gunna Geek Network, especially the live shows. Suncast, thanks for coming on here today. Uh, I know you were just on the last episode, but why don't you remind everybody to where they can find you? I don't know. Why did I say that? To where they can find you. You can go and find me to the gfqnetwork.com <laughs> website, which is where we have a whole bunch of other podcasts that are way better than anything that you're watching right now, which is not true. But hey, 
I can say that. Uh, you can go check out uh, shows like What the Tech, Matt Men that are on there. They're both great shows. So uh, go check that out. Also, once in a while, if you find yourself venturing out to a park, if you bring some lollipops along, Suncast might find you. Wait, they I got some right here. Chups. Tootsie Roll Pop. <laughs> They've been down here on my desk for two years for this gag. Let's go ahead and move on to the news so that I can fix the title bar for Suncast. We are going to start off with our guest of honors news today, and we got some fun stories out of this because you may have missed us do a little live stream while this was all happening on Saturday. What do you got in your news, Suncast? Well, my fellow Americans, nine years after the space shuttle program ended, astronauts have lifted off into space from the Florida coast. Originally scheduled for liftoff on May 24th, the launch of the SpaceX Falcon rocket was scrubbed due to weather forcing the launch to its second window on May 30th. And on that day... The weather luckily held out, and we were able to see liftoff of the Falcon 9 rocket carrying two astronauts, Doug Hurley and Bob Bankin, which lifted off at 3.22 p.m. Eastern aboard the Falcon 9 rocket and the Crew Dragon capsule. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the first commercial privatized spacecraft in orbit to make it to space with two astronauts aboard. This is a very historic occasion, and the fact that we now have commercial manned spacecraft in use for the first time. So this is pretty cool. Uh, it carried both crews up there, and in about 19 hours after the liftoff, the crew successfully docked with the International Space Station. And so manned spacecraft are back launching from the USA. What do you guys think about this momentous occasion? This is fantastic. Um, I think I said it during our live stream, or I may not have, because if you did watch the live stream, you noticed that everyone but me was talking a lot. I was sitting here kind of cocked off to the angle a lot, occasionally commenting, because I was just fixated on the YouTube feed. But I think it's fantastic. It, it brought back that childhood space geek, that phase that everyone has oh, yeah. that I had for probably 18 years or so. Or I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is that stuff. I remember watching space launches and wanting to see all these things happen. I was like, this just takes me back. And we haven't had gotten the chance to do this in almost 10 years. It was so cool. I was geeking out the entire time. And especially after the launch got scrubbed on Friday, there was a part of me that was going, man, I really hope it doesn't get scrubbed on Saturday. And like up to 15 minutes beforehand, I was trying not to get too excited for it. Because I'm like, it might get scrubbed again and I don't want to get overhyped. And then when it started happening, I was like, yes, awesome. I can't believe we got to see this. So happy everything worked out the way it was supposed oh, to. Yeah. There were no problems. And it was a really solid stream. We talked about it on the live stream, but the product that NASA and SpaceX put out on their YouTube feed is fantastic. There's high production value. But more, more importantly, the people are there telling us the stories about why this is important and the research that went into the ship and why things work the way they do. They're actual engineers and smart people who are speaking with a passion about this project. It gives me a lot of hope faith and confidence in what's going to be going on with space going forward because we have a very young group of intelligent people 
that are working to make this happen. And it, it's it's one of the bright spots that I've had in the past week was watching that on Saturday and then the docking on Sunday with the ISS. Yeah, not only did we get this successful launch, but they also successfully recovered the first stage of the Falcon 9 rocket aboard their drone ship, which Correct. was just absolutely amazing. The fact that they had this pretty much perfect launch of the first manned spacecraft in nine years. This is pretty cool. I had goosebumps leading up like 10 minutes until launch and then through the launch, which is absolute goosebumps all the way through. Uh, Steven, what did you think about this launch? Yeah, I got three things to hit on with this. Number one, I, I'll echo what all of you both said, which is just amazing how amazing this truly was. It was I was so happy we live streamed it. We threw it together last minute. I, I came up with the idea like two hours before. I'm like, hey, it's Saturday. That's fun. We, we, we Let's all see if we can do this, get together and share this moment together. And that was cool. It all came together. I was really happy we could share it. And uh, just being able to follow along so well, it was so fun, so interesting and so exciting. And I'm a Canadian too, by the way. So let's get that out there as well. Uh, I know this is big. American moment. Um, Does Canada even have a space agency? We do. We do. We do. We've had we've had Canadians <laughs> in space. Thank you very much. Back to your shuttle had a very dependent thing on the Canadians made, but let's leave that alone there. Um, but uh, I also have to say, like the dock changed my my sort of viewpoint a little bit because I was super excited about the launch, but when I watched the dock happen yesterday uh, to the ISS. I was left feeling it insignificant because it was that that sort of impactful. You know, you, you're seeing all that's going on in the ISS to prepare to get them on because they had a stream from the ISS of all the different things they had to do. Once they soft docked with the ISS, there was like several hours and you saw them working inside. And then, you you know, you finally get that moment where they come through into the ISS and not only do you have the the two uh, U.S. astronauts plus the one that's already up there, you have the two uh, Russian cosmonauts as well. And so seeing all of them together, knowing this is happening way up there, couldn't help but leave me feel very insignificant, right? So it kind of shifted how I was feeling. But it's, again, that's a compliment. That's a complete compliment to everything that happened. And then the third thing that I want to mention, yes, this was supposed to happen, I guess it was Thursday, was it? But then it Wednesday. was Wednesday, Wednesday, but then it was scrubbed, which was really, really surprising to me. It was scrubbed with about 17 minutes left, which was just like, ugh, I know, just right at the last second. It, it was better there. safe than sorry, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they, these guys, the experts, Agreed. 17 minutes in, they said, nope, no go. Yes. Perfect. Do what you got to do. <laughs> I agree. And and. It was surprising to me for two reasons. Number one, um, because it was looking pretty good up until like not long before, like things were moving in the right direction. The patterns were for the weather. But then all of a sudden it's like, no, we got to pull it off. Uh, but the second thing is with COVID happening and everything right now, I'm really surprised they could find enough cleaner to scrub that. Uh, is that that's what it means when they scrub it, right? That's what the term means is they actually go in the they clean the ship. Yes, they, 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 they have a lot of uh, Oompa Loompas to do that. <laughs> And Mr. Clean. <sighs> no, but seriously, I uh, kidding aside, I was actually really happy to see them 
err on the side of caution for sure. And uh, it actually made it even more fun being able to see it on the Saturday when I wasn't working. So uh, really exciting weekend. And again, I want to thank you two as well as SP, if you're watching this later, uh, for coming together on Saturday to do this stream. I'm really happy we could. We've talked about it so much coming to this moment on this show. And I thought Mm -hmm. it was really fun. The four of us could all be together. I think you also noted one other thing is that their production was a heck of a lot better than a lot of the stuff that we've seen on TV the past couple of months. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Okay, so yes, the the, the streams from the ground were really good. It was very informative, but also the video quality that we were getting back from the International Space Station, um, it looked a heck of a lot better than a lot of stuff that we've been seeing on TV. Oh, yeah. 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 Let, Let that sink in. The signal from outer space was better than from, the quality. So so what I'm hearing, Suncast, is they should have been doing the voice from the ISS for better quality <laughs> instead of from people's homes. They probably would have had better quality. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was cool. And if you didn't have a chance to check out any of those clips, you really should. Uh, it is a pretty big moment. Um, I have been told by one or two notable names that there's all sorts of arguments to be had about there's other privatized things, but we'll let that those people defend themselves should they come on the show to do so. <laughs> we'll go ahead and leave that there. Just a little inside joke for somebody. Uh, let's move on, though, to Pixel features. Uh, there's been some Pixel features that have uh, been announced and will be rolling out to various the phones. Main another Pixel movie? And yes, another pic- Pixel movie, yes. Sandler needs another paycheck. There's another <laughs> one coming. No, there's uh, the next batch of software updates to the Pixel smartphones has been announced. And one of the big ones that was highlighted was that there will be a new safety check feature being implemented to this. What happens is you enable the feature on your Pixel device and you set a time for when you want it to check in. And what it will end up doing is take over your whole screen at that time and give you a prompt to say whether you're safe or not. And if you either say you're not safe or you don't answer the safety check, it will end up uh, sharing your location with a contact that you have selected and letting them know that you have not checked in for your safety check. So it's pretty interesting because we've seen some other safety features come into different phones over the last couple of years. And I think this is not, not a bad idea. Obviously, if you're like in dire circumstances, like let's say Chris puts this on his phone and then I finally go through with my plan to kidnap him and I'm holding his phone, and I see it pop up and say, hey, are you safe? Uh, I'm going to say yes to that. But but hopefully Chris finds a way to smuggle that phone into places that I'm not going to check. Chris, can you do that? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the other couple features that were highlighted on here is that there will be a bedtime mode that's being added to the clock app and quote, fall asleep to calming sounds and limit interruptions while you sleep. And if you stay up on your phone past bedtime, you'll get a snapshot of how much time you're spending awake and on which apps. So Uh, this is interesting because I didn't know there was already bedtime mode stuff in there previous, previous to this, which I just found out about a week ago, where you can set up rules so that you mark, say, for instance, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. is your sleep time. And mine's got a rule set up so that if my phone is plugged in at that time, it automatically goes to do not disturb mode and turns it to black and white screen mode and puts on the blue filter, blue light filter, I think. That might be a separate thing I did that with. But there's already a bedtime mode sort of built into the wellness app or the well-being app. So this is cool that they're extending that to do more. 
Yeah, I have to say, I have suddenly really changed my position on how much this stuff might make a difference. Um, and the reason why was because I don't wear a watch, okay? I don't wear a watch anymore. Um, and what I was doing for a very long time, for years now, was um, I, I don't have an alarm clock on my nightstand. I stopped using an alarm clock and I was just like, yeah, I'll just check my phone. So I just flip it over and I'd have a look at it if I needed to check what time it was. Like, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I recently put in there, I got some deals on some Echo Shows, which led to me putting an Echo Show 5 on there uh, for the music functions and whatever. And now that I have that there, which is basically, you know, at night, a replacement alarm clock. So I've gone back to an alarm clock, so to speak, you know, on my nightstand. I have noticed my sleep pattern like almost right away change because if I want it, if I want to check when I do wake up, I glance at the clock and I go back down. I think I forgot and didn't or didn't realize how much I was looking at my phone, seeing a message, looking at that message because, you know, I am three hours behind everybody. So a lot of times, you know, I will wake up and, you know, you, you two might have a conversation going in our group chat that we've got because you guys are up and you're on the East Coast. And I would read that. And and now that that's sort of removed, this heightened to me how much that was really disrupting my sleep, just having a clock there that I glance at again. So I can absolutely see how these features would make a difference for people. So Stephen, I'm, what you've described there is exactly why I turned on the auto do not disturb and stuff at night right now. So whenever I plug my phone in at night, if you guys are texting me, I have no idea because it doesn't even ring through or come to the screen until I unplug it the next morning. The only way my phone's going to make a noise is if one of my contacts who's marked as a favorite. So those are people that would be people that would call me in an emergency call. It will ring my phone. Other than that, do not disturb blocks everything. It's great. I'm doing pretty much the same thing where it, I have do not disturb on where it just mutes my phone, but I'm still getting those notifications. So if I do wake up and look to see what time it is, then I'm going to see those notifications and I'm likely to start waking up and start reading those notifications. And then it just kind of ruins my pattern. And that's mm -hmm. what I, I think was happening for me. And, you know, I didn't really realize it as much. So uh, I think that these things can be really cool. And I'm glad to see Google expanding them. The next feature that they said they're adding was that they are going to expand the feature set for Google's recorder app. Now you can use Google Assistant to start recordings. So you can obviously access this by using the Google Assistant, the OKG, if you know what I mean. Um, but then also you can now get automatic transcripts of your recordings into Google Docs. So smart. I've talked about it before. There's been a few things that I've used Google's automatic transcribing feature, and I think it does a really good job on many of the devices. Now you can real time have it transcoding any audio coming through. There's a button. And it does a pretty good job overall. Wow. Can you imagine how useful this would be? Like, I stop and think about Chris when I was in college and trying to capture lecture notes and stuff like that and just scrambling to write notes down on paper or on a tablet or something like that. A lot of people, there were a few people, not a lot, let me rephrase. There were a few people that brought in like tape recorders to record the lecture. In today's world, could you imagine how nice it would be to literally set your Pixel phone on the desk, hit this recorder app button and capture the entire lecture that way have it go to Google Docs and then be like, hey, everyone, here's the notes I got. Let's sync up and see and make sure everything's right and then have a collaborative note-taking effort. That would be awesome. Yeah. And by the way, 
Uh, the streamer in me came out. I said transcoding. I meant transcribing. Sorry, my apologies. <laughs> <laughs> I automatically heard transcribe anyways, though, so that guy just corrected. <laughs> and the last thing that they've announced is that they are going to be improving the adaptive battery functionality. Quote, now adaptive battery on Pixel 2 and newer devices can predict when your battery will run out and further reduce background activity to keep your Pixel powered longer, end quote. It doesn't tell me much, if I'm being honest, because they already had battery features that kind of did that, so I don't know what the enhancement is. Supposedly, this is enhancements on what they've already put in place, and if it is, I'm not exactly super impressed because <laughs> Steven and I, we both have Pixel 2 variants, and we've had the adaptive battery stuff since the Pixel 2 launched. All it does is have some logic in there to look at what's eating the most battery, potentially warn you of it, and then shut things down when you hit a threshold you set, be it like 10, 15, or 5%. And it often ruins your feature set, too. If, like, say you have a an app, like your smart app, that's supposed to do geofencing because you yeah. want to be able to have it so that you come home and your lights are on, usually by default, it turns this off. So you have to go hunt through the 8 million menus that this could possibly locate it and turn it off. So, yeah. It's one of those things that sounds great on paper, but when you actually go and use it, you're probably like, what the hell did they do? There's really no difference here because <laughs> I, I think their adaptive battery thing is a lot of smoke and mirrors. I haven't really seen it do much for my phone, and I've had a Pixel 2 for almost three years now, I think. I agree. Well, moving on to the next news point here, Chris, I know you told me once that if there was one streaming service that you would keep and get rid of the rest, it would be HBO. Porn you told Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> you told me that HBO beat Pornhub. That's what you told me. Did I? I must have been drinking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those of you that are in the United States, because I didn't check to see how this went out internationally, on May 27th, Time Warner launched their new streaming service, HBO Max. We've talked about it on this show before. The naming convention is hella confusing because they had HBO Go, HBO Now, then an HBO Max service that's coming out, and here's where it's even more confusing. On some platforms, the HBO Max app replaced the HBO Now app. So when people woke up on the 27th, their HBO Now app was gone. But it did come out on May 27th. I was one of the folks that ended up getting it. Full disclosure, the only reason I have it is because they gave it to me as part of my cellular plan because they're already giving me HBO as part of my cellular plan. So I was basically bumped up to get HBO Max included. So what is the service? It normally costs $14.99 a month. It gives you all HBO content, including the backlog, so like you would have had with HBO Now, but also other exclusive content that Time Warner's put together, things like some of Adult Swim's content, emphasis on some, some Cartoon Network content, a little bit of the DC Universe stuff, but most of it stays in a separate app they have, which is their DC Universe Online app, Turner Classic Movies, Crunchyroll for Anime, Studio Ghibli. There's a bunch of different kind of channels they've put in there. Plus, they have the exclusive rights to break, not Breaking Bad, uh, Big Bang Theory, different uh, alliteration with Bs there, and uh, Young Sheldon and Friends. Basically, it's a, comp it's a competitor to Disney+, Plus, Netflix, things like that. It's really confusing, though, because if you're a consumer, you're going, wait, how do I get this? How do I know I'm eligible for this? And there are a lot of Questions like that the day it launched. And it is a bit interesting because you'd think it would be easy to get this new HBO Max on all platforms because Time Warner wants to come out strong, make sure they can compete with Disney Plus, with Netflix, things like that. Because if you remember, when Disney Plus came out, the day it came out, 
It was on pretty much any device you could think of. That's not the case with HBO Max. Well, so let's explain what I mean by that. If you have an iOS or Android phone, you're good to go. You can download the HBO Max app. You can log in either through creating a new account, linking to an existing HBO account, linking to your cable account that has HBO included. Log in through any of those methods, you're good to go. If you have Android TV, Apple TV, a Chromecast, PS4, Xbox One, a Samsung TV that's newer than a 2016 model year, you can also get HBO Max on there. But guys, did you notice two big devices I didn't mention? Yes, uh, you did not mention my uh, Zune player. <laughs> that was oh, one. That's true. <laughs> and you also didn't mention my <laughs> um, uh, Palm Pilot either. Oh, we could have been on WebOS. <laughs> Man. <laughs> but in all seriousness, the number one and number two streaming boxes out there, when you go and look at what the ad share was at the end of Q4 2019, a Roku, which comes in at 59% market share, and the Amazon Fire TV at 19%, you can't get HBO Max on these devices. I mean, if you have a Fire TV, technically you could sideload an Android TV app on there, but it's not officially able to be done. So Time Warner launches this new app that they want to be their end-all, be-all, the future of HBO. They have issues on day one. They're missing content that was promised that still hasn't been added, and they've retroactively changed everything on their website to make it look like it wasn't supposed to be there at launch. They're not on the number one and number two streaming boxes out there. Man, what a missed opportunity. And here's the deal. It's because they're negotiating over money still between Roku and Fire TV because Fire TV, Amazon has their channels feature where when you have these apps, you can subscribe to HBO right now, for instance, through Amazon. They want to do something similar with uh, HBO Max, but HBO doesn't like the cut that Amazon would require. And Amazon is saying, you got to play by our rules if you want to be on here. So they've got an app built for it, but they can't put it on there. Roku is the same kind of thing because they have the Roku channel that kind of hooks in all these other channels, allows you to subscribe through them. And Roku and HBO slash Time Warner can't come to an agreement on what the percentage should be for someone who subscribes to their app. So they're missing out on potentially, I don't know, 60, 80% based off what these numbers were from Q4 2019, which I don't think they're 100% right, but they're close enough on devices that can't run this app. And a subscriber literally has no option. Like I know people that have Roku's only, their Roku house. They were excited. They subscribed for HBO Max. Like there's stuff I want to see on day one. And they went, where's the app? I can't watch anything here because it's not available. And there's no date. There's nothing being mentioned about when it's coming. Nothing. Nobody knows when it's coming. It's such a cluster. And remember, people gave Disney a little bit of crap, deservedly so, for the Disney Plus launch because it wasn't exactly the smoothest of things. But you have to give them credit in this, which is they had all the negotiations in place so that day one, with all that hype behind it, it wasn't a problem of being like, where the hell do I find Disney Plus? It was you looked on every app and there was Disney Plus to download. Yeah, I still don't know what HBO Max is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. This is really interesting to me, though, because, yeah, Roku is such a big thing. Oh, I, yeah. I am very shocked to see this. Very shocked. And uh, I, don't I would know argue if that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't know if it's going to come if we're not getting any even rumblings of it right now. Oh, you have to do it. You have to do it because of the market share. You cannot miss out yeah. on 60% market share where you get $15 a month, presumably, from each customer that's subscribed. 
they're missing out on 60% of the market where they could be getting $15 a month. Yes, there are people that would be grandfathered in because they have existing HBO plans and things like that, but that's a huge percentage to be missing out on. You know, the problem is too, even if there was rumblings of this, based off of the recent uh, Apple TV rumor, we would have no idea when it would be because it seems like that was months ago now that that was allegedly breaking news. I know it wasn't months (laughs) ago, but it it seemed like it was imminent and and we haven't heard anything about it since. So like, you can't really trust uh, rumors right now. To be honest, it just seems like they missed the mark a little bit because one thing I forgot to mention. Yeah, I think... Yeah, yeah, a little bit. The one thing I did forget to mention is, remember when Disney Plus came out, one of the things that I was excited about, because I'm kind of an AV snob after building a home theater, was that day one, 4K, HDR, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos supported for some content, obviously not all content, but things like the Avengers movies, all of their Marvel content, Star Wars content was all put in 4K HDR. Everything on Time Warner's HBO Max is a 1080p stream max, 5.1 surround sound, but at kind of a low bit rate. So it doesn't really look great. And they've done things like Westworld and Game of Thrones. They've filmed it with 4K cameras. They've put out 4K Blu-rays of Westworld, but they didn't put any 4K content out on this service. And there's nothing mentioned about when it's going to come. They said, well, it's sort of on our roadmap for the future. Well, that's a big deal. And I can understand why you might not want to do it at launch. And, and let me explain, because it sounds like I'm kind of backtracking a little bit. And I maybe I am. But if you put out a bunch of 4K stuff on day one and you're already getting them bombarded with people logging in and wanting to check it out, 4K assets, downloading and streaming those, it's going to eat up a lot more bandwidth and it's probably going to put more crunch on you. So I would sort of get where they're like, hey, we don't want to have it turned on for day one to not blow up the service. But to have it be a comment that, well, we don't really know when that's going to happen. How do you do that in today's world when almost every streaming service out there now has some kind of 4K HDR Dolby Atmos support at some level. You know, here's the thing, though. Like, when we look back at the history of HBO and some of the decisions they've made, their content has continued to bring people in. Not my personal cup of tea for a lot of it. I've, I think, watched three episodes of Game of Thrones. But the thing is, they have this history of being able to create content, deliver it, and make people come and accept in whatever format they are offering it in. And so... What do they care? What do they care? Like if somebody like someone's going to look at these services and they're going to go, how much is HBO regular going to cost me? It's going to cost me, you know, this many dollars a month. But I can save money if I go HBO Max. And look, there's deals right now on streaming, whatever supported streaming devices, Apple TV. I can offset that because I know I'll save save that back in a few months time. So if they do want to hold off on Roku or they, they do want to not give the decent, the, the best quality, people will still come. I think people will come. I don't agree with that. I would personally prefer to see them on all of these uh, devices. I, ha- I hate the fact that there are still some apps that you need to have multiple devices to do. It's frustrating. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they're not yet on either of these devices, Fire TV or Roku. And I would argue that those are the two biggest and the two most consumer-friendly devices that you could actually buy. And I suspect that HBO is the one that wants a bigger cut and really doesn't want to play by these rules because they think they, they should be better than everybody else. But uh, there's a lot to be said for having one 
system in order to get all these things like the Roku channel, the Amazon channel, etc. Having one spot to go and get these things is undervalued because that's one of the big sells still of cable is that, oh, you don't have to go find where any of these channels are or what service th- these channels are on. It's, it, as long as it's got one place to go where you can either find the app or go into this one app to find that, then you're good. And I think they're kind of underselling that. Yeah, I mean, do you know how convenient it is? I have an Apple TV. I've talked about it before to trigger Siri and be like, hey, I want to watch Game of Thrones and have her do a search. And be like, oh, here you go. Click a button and you go there because it's all integrated into things by going through either the Apple TV app or just voice search. It's a huge thing for ease of use because mm-hmm. if I've got to click a thousand times to find content, eventually I'm going to forget about it. If it's not surfaced to a point, I can see it. Unless it's something I absolutely love, I'm going to forget about it. It's why I fell behind on some HBO content because it just wasn't getting popped up to the top of my queue on things. Yeah, they've, they've definitely botched this and I don't think they really understand the market. I think that's something that's evident by the way that they've not had this content ready, not had the apps ready, and just such a poor understanding of what the app is and why they are doing this. I you think- compare and contrast that to uh, Disney+. Plus. Everybody knew what Disney+, Plus was going to be and how they were going to get that. That wasn't an issue whatsoever, and that is by far some of the biggest issues with HBO Max is understanding what the heck is this app, why do I need it, and where do I get it? I think they overvalued the name HBO and the fact that meant, oh, people are going to want to watch this. Now, people who already have it, probably yes, because it's a free upgrade, but you already had them on the hook. What you need is the people that didn't already have this service. And I should clarify one thing. If you were a subscriber to HBO Now on Fire TV or Roku, All that happened is your HBO Now app didn't auto-upgrade to HBO Max. So you were still subscribed to HBO Now and still have all the HBO regular content. You just don't have the additional content that comes through HBO Max. That's a poor experience. Agreed. And if you're you're a subscriber, you're probably going, what the hell, guys? It's the consumer that's stuck in the middle here. And it sucks for the consumer in this regard. Because I see Albert mentioning in the chat room, he pre-ordered HBO Max. He has Roku's. So he can only watch it on a browser on his computer. So he is getting a lesser experience. And who's he going to blame for that? I'm, I'm going to put words in his mouth here. But I argue he's probably not going to be blaming Roku for this experience. He's going to be blaming Time Warner and HBO because it is their app that he cannot consume on his device of choice. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Um, I'm I'm still not convinced that there won't be a lot of people who will give in and get something else. But I hope that that's wrong because, again, I, I would like to see apps everywhere. And back to what you originally said, Disney Plus deserves credit for launching so universally. Mm-hmm. Well, quickly moving I, on to our extra, extra news points here. Uh, just a couple quick things to hit on. Number one, Wink backpedaled again. Uh, wink, <laughs> wink, the smart again. platform. <laughs> I know, really odd. So we mentioned, like, I think it was last episode, maybe the episode before that, uh, Wink the home automation hub announced they were going to go to a subscription model. They were going to go and start charging people per month to use the service. Well, on May 20th, after they were supposed to go live with the new subscription, they said, quote, we are delaying the requirement to sign up for a subscription. For those customers who have signed up, we want to assure you that the first month's payment has not yet been processed and we will notify subscribers before we move forward with Wink subscription, end quote. 
Uh, they went on to say that they had a bunch of support, allegedly, and that they will at some point go there. But for now, they can afford to continue on or something like that. Yeah. Um, you- <laughs> you know BS. what that support was on the Wink subreddit? What? Everyone being like, I'm throwing my Wink hub out and <laughs> posting pictures of it in the trash can. <laughs> or the toilet. The toilet too. Or the toilet, yeah. This is ridiculous. Uh, obviously, like my guess here is they didn't get what they needed. Um, they were they two one of two things. Number one, they didn't get what they were needing, needing, they were aiming for a certain amount of income to make it worthwhile. It wasn't worthwhile. So then they're like, okay, we gotta go back to the drawing board. Or number two, a lawyer said, Hey, look. This is how you've advertised your project for many years. This is how quickly you came in and you said you were going to uh, implement this. These are the amount of different types of lawsuits we think you might face. However, if you bide your time, now that you've officially announced going to the subscription model, you wait so long, your exposure is far reduced or something to that effect. And they got some form of legal advice where it made sense for them to just announce it. Don't charge. Don't put people out of the money and wait until a certain X amount of time has gone. That's my they, guess between the two. They've just shot themselves in the foot here because if you were someone who was on the fence, you probably got upset about the fact they were going to charge. Now it's, oh, we're not going to charge, but we might again at some point in time. And I, if I had not already migrated off, this would have been what pushed me to migrate off. You've just given me more time now to research what the hub is I want to go and get versus trying to find the first thing and then get to my house as quick as possible to move everything in a week. This is insanity. I would not trust this company whatsoever anymore. What they're essentially doing is jerking the chain. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And that chain is being their customers. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think you nailed it. And the next extra, extra thing I just want to quickly touch on here is that Microsoft's apparently pushing towards relying more on AI because it's laid off several journalists and editorial workers at its Microsoft News and MSN organizations. The company is now going to mostly be using AI to pick and sort through news that is presented on its platform. Quote, like all companies, we evaluate our business on a regular basis. This can result in an increased investment in some places and from time to time, redeployment in others. End quote. So shocking. AI is putting people out of work. They still had MSN Net News. <laughs> yeah, it's the homepage on Bing, unless you uh, mm-hmm. unless you change it on not Bing on a what's the name of their browser? That I just forgot the Edge. name of all of a sudden Edge. Wow, which is now what Chromium. a brain fart. Yeah, which is now Chromium, which is basically Chrome. Although I kind of like it better than Chrome, but that's a conversation for a later time. Yeah. Anyways, uh, people being laid off for AI. <laughs> it's poor timing. I mean, I know they're like, this is not a result of the pandemic. But it's poor timing. I, I read a, I read an article er, earlier today where I was researching stories, and there is a uh, restaurant in the Netherlands that has started utilizing robots as waiters. Really? Yeah, they basically come, they greet you, and they they come and bring you your food, or they take your your food away from you, and that's about it. Well, I have to say, I'm not very surprised with this because. If we look, you know, dining is a somewhat personal experience, and we have all sorts of other experiences that used to be personal that are now replaced by machines. So I'm not surprised at all. Yep, here come the sex robots. (laughs) Well, on that note, that perfectly segues into Chris has a special toy he wants to talk about this week. I hate you all. (laughs) All right, 
right. So Chris told us he was going to talk about something this week, uh, and we're not really sure what he's going to talk about. So as such, if you're watching the video side of things, you can see that we've labeled the bar, quote, Chris Talks, because we knew he was going to talk about something, didn't know what it was until he told us it was some form of sexual apparatus. Go ahead, Chris. So this is my top 10 list in BuzzFeedian uh, logic for why you should subscribe to Pornhub. Presented by... No, I'm just kidding. It has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with porn, but I wanted to punish them a little bit for making sex toy jokes at my behalf. So this punishment was for you. Yeah, you think that's the punishment. I enjoyed that. And it makes this segue terrible because you guys do know I have a fascination with gadgets. Not of that type. (laughs) (laughs) Specifically on this show, I've, I've had a bit of a fascination with different kinds of Bluetooth wireless headphones. Previously, I've talked about the TickPods Free by Mobboy that I was a uh, uh, Kickstarter backer on years ago. I want to say about two or three months ago, I talked about the Amazon Echo Buds that I got on special, which was Amazon's competitor to the AirPods, things like that. Well, this week, I'm here to talk to you about another set of Bluetooth headphones because I really need a third set of uh, Bluetooth wireless headphones that came out in the market that I gave a try to. So this week, it is the Google Pixel Buds 2 I want to talk to you guys about. It is Google's replacement for their off-maligned and mocked Pixel Buds that were not actually separate buds, but two mini little headphones that were connected by a braided cable around the back of your neck. It was not a good idea. But what they have done now, I think, is a good idea. Yes, Stephen? So to be clear, today's gadget is something that you place in your hole. Is that correct? Or two of your holes? Is that right? (laughs) <laughs> One or two, depending on your preferences. So it's far double, be it from me to judge. D- double penetrating. <laughs> I don't know that you can get two headphones in one ear, but that would be impressive and probably uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, continue. <laughs> I'm trying to power through this. So what we're talking about today is the Google Pixel Buds 2. And this is them in the case right here. It's pretty tiny, especially when you compare it side by side with my Echo Buds case. It's a lot smaller. And what is it? Bluetooth headphones, because everyone's got to have them. This is their, this is the Google competitor to Apple's AirPods, not the AirPods Pro. That is one thing to keep in mind. And we talked about on the show, the one thing I really love, the satisfying snap when you open and close the case. It just has a nice snapping sound to it, and I really love it. I don't know why. And I found myself fidgeting with the case in my hand and occasionally flipping it open and closed. It's a good fidget stone also, for lack of a better term. So... If you were interested in them, just as a heads up, I did pay for these out of my own pocket. Google did not give me anything to review, anything like that. They are $179 retail. I did not pay $179 because I went, you know, I already have Bluetooth headphones. I don't need to pay that much. I did, however, find a deal on Slick Deals where I got them for 30% off pretty much the day they came out. So for 30% off, I said, you know what? I'm going to give the Pixel Buds 2 a try. So let's get into some background on this device. It's a Google device. That means it's gonna come in multiple different colors. This is, I believe, purely white is what they named this for the headphones. It means the case is white. It also means the headphone, which if you're watching the video version of the show that I'm holding up against the camera, also a white bud that has the Google logo on the side. We'll get back to those in a second to talk about them. Also available in almost black, quite mint, and oh so orange. Those are the colors you'll theoretically be able to get the Pixel Buds 2 in. The only color that's available right now through any retailer is the white headphones. You cannot get any of the other colors yet. There's just a wait list that you can sign up for on Google's website. 
And side note, they're really hard to find right now. They've started becoming available more frequently, but these things were selling out almost instantaneously when they popped up in places, which was interesting. And I'm not sure whether that's because the demand was so high or because they didn't build a ton of them. And this is a way to kind of build hype. That could be me conspiracy theorizing, though. They're not in Canada yet that I've seen. I don't think they're outside of the United States at this point in time, but don't quote me on that because I forgot to research that part of it. (laughs) I'll research it and follow up with you guys later. So when you're using the Pixel Buds 2, battery life, that's one of the things we want to consider. Well, a single charge means that both buds should work for five hours on a single charge. When I've been wearing them, I found it's closer to four and a half than it is five. When you factor in the recharges available in the case, you get 24 hours of battery life when you carry around the case and the buds. This case charges via USB-C in the bottom, which is one of my complaints I'd had about the Echo Buds. So, ugh, micro-USB. But also, more interestingly, if you have a wireless Qi charger, you can just set this case down on top, and it will charge the case and the headphones inside. Google does have their Pixel Stand branded wireless charger. A lot of early reviewers had put the headphones on it and found that it didn't charge correctly. Google then sent them a message, or when they reached out to Google, they said, put it on there upside down. And when you put the Pixel Buds case on the Pixel stand upside down, it aligns the coils properly so that you can charge. So you can still use Google's first party wireless charger. Why you would, because it's $80, I don't know. (laughs) Or you could just buy a $10 wireless Qi charger off Amazon and put them on there. And in theory, if you had like one of those Samsung phones where you could set your coils in your phone to basically act as a Qi charger for other devices, you could charge your headphones off of that as well, which I think is kind of neat. So continuing, the weight of these headphones, because this is important, each bud itself, 0.18 ounces. So they're pretty light. One of the things I've noticed when I wore them is that unlike the Echo Buds, I kind of forgot they were in my ears at most times. And part of that is because the way they sit in the ear, you don't have the same kind of noise isolation and it's a bit more comfortable in your ear because of that. Continuing on that, uh, connectivity for these headphones, Bluetooth 5.0. So the current spec of Bluetooth, which means it is a bit more or a bit less power hungry, things like that. Pixel Bud, in order to make it fit in your ears, Google did a lot of research. They put in on each headphone, you can see what they're calling their fins that they have at the top of the headphone here. This is supposed to fit in the crevice of your ear to kind of hold it in place. So once you set it in, you twist a little bit, and it hooks in. Oh, come on, Steven. Find out of the gutter. Find out of the gutter. <sighs> You're talking about your gadget in the crevice? Okay, go <sighs> ahead. Continue. <laughs> I'm trying to have an intelligent conversation here. And I have found, that at least with my ears, this fin that is on the top of both Pixel Buds basically anchors the earbud appropriately in my ear so that I haven't had them falling out when I do anything. One of the things I did have happen occasionally with my Echo Buds is if I shook my head too hard, it could come loose. And I did have the buds fall out of my ear at one point in time, which was awkward, but thankfully I caught them before they hit the ground in the grocery store because that would have been gross. I found them pretty comfortable. I did have a fitment issue at first where one bud did slip out. But what I did realize then is when you get the uh, case, it comes with three different sets of tips and I just swapped out to the appropriately sized tip for the headphone, and it held securely like it was supposed to. Get your so jokes in. You you said that each bud is 1.8 grams, correct? That is correct. Well, no, How point high do you get off ounces. of that? 0.18 ounces. <laughs> How high do you get off of that? <sighs> I don't know. I, I guess I would have to reach out to people that would know. 
Uh. Well played. Well played. <laughs> Let's go back to some information on the Echo Buds. Or excuse me, Pixel Buds. This is really hard because they both have buds in the name, so I'm going to try not to screw it up. But it may happen. When it comes to pairing, if you have an Android phone that is Android version 6.0 or greater, it's super simple. You literally have your phone sitting there. You open the case and you get a pop-up that comes up on screen that says, do you want to pair these headphones to your phone? You click yes, it pairs the headphones, and then it asks you to download and install the Pixel Buds app to your phone. What is the app there for? Honestly, it's there to monitor the battery life and to do firmware updates on your headphones. Within a day of my receiving these, I had a firmware update that was available for my headphones. It downloaded in one afternoon and just applied it. And then I think Thursday or Friday last week, there was another firmware update that came through. So Google, since these have come out, has pushed out two firmware updates that is all handled via the Pixel Buds app on your phone. They have also promised what they're calling their feature drops, like they're doing for Pixel phones, for the Pixel Buds as well. However, they have not given any kind of information as to what these feature drops might include. Now, they have had previous cases where they have done upgrades that have enhanced in the Pixel 1 case or Pixel Buds 1 case. They lowered the latency so that if you were playing video games with your Bluetooth headphones, they found a way to make it so there wasn't that noticeable lag between when you push a fire button in the game and when the headphone you would hear it in. So there is potential they could do things like that. We're not exactly sure what all they're going to do with that. If you do not have an Android phone and want to pair it with your device, say a MacBook or a Windows laptop or an iOS device, there is a button on the back of the case that if you hold down is a pairing button. Hold it down, I think, for three seconds, the light starts blinking and it puts them in a pairing mode. So then you just go into the Bluetooth settings on whatever device you're pairing with and connect the, the uh, headphones that way. It's super simple. So you don't have to use these on an Android device if you don't want to, but it makes a bit more sense to because there's a lot more features baked in. Now, a caveat for you all, there are touch controls on them. The touch controls will still work on an iOS device. And the people have said on some Windows and Mac devices, they've been working appropriately. And you can get Google Assistant to work on these on an iOS device, assuming you have the Google app installed on your phone or I guess tablet nice. if you really wanted to. So it will work that way. They supposedly have a range of about 35 feet before dropout occurs. There's a lot of articles on the web right now where people are having issues with them. One I had heard is people said, if I take my hands and cup them over my ears, my pixel buds drop out. I have not had that happen, but once when I cut my hand over my left ear, it disconnected for like half a second and then reconnected with no problem. And I will say I work from home right now in my basement where I podcast from, which is at the bottom of my townhouse. And I'll listen to music on these. I've been listening to music or a podcast I've gone all the way upstairs to use the restroom to the third level of my house from the basement. And I have only had them pick up when I'm going up the steps because it is basically trying to blast Bluetooth connection through my furnace and hot water heater, which would be problematic for any kind of wireless connection. Yeah. It's been pretty solid for me. So there are people that have had problems. I'm not discounting that. I just have not had those problems myself. So I can't speak to the fact that there's issues in that. It would not surprise me if there are some hardware issues that might be out there that need to be corrected where they're probably recalling some of these to give people ones that are working better. So touch controls, that's how everything works in here in addition to voice controls. There are some things on here such as in-ear detection. When I pull a headphone out of my ear, it stops music playback. I believe they do that with the AirPods. They did it with the Echo Buds. It's kind of commonplace. Google Assistant is baked in. 
you can uh, say OKG OK, word as long as you've enabled that and you can interact with the assistant just like you would on any other device. You can also hold down on one of the buds. It will trigger the Google Assistant to read all of your notifications to you and give you the option to reply to them. What is also kind of cool I've found is that with Google Assistant baked in, if I'm listening to music or something like that, it's not unheard of that we'll trade some text messages throughout the day in one of our group chats if there's something interesting going on or something like that. When I have my Pixel Buds in, I'll get a notification and it will say message from, and it'll give the name of the group conversation. And it'll do that the first three or four messages that come in. If I don't respond and ask to hear what's going on, it will then basically say, since you're not responding to this, all we're going to do is play a chime sound whenever a notification comes in for the next 40, either 30 or 45 minutes. So that was really cool as you guys were chatting away about something. I was really busy and didn't have a chance to look at my phone. And after the third or fourth message, it realized, hey, you're not actually listening or checking these messages. So we're just going to give you like a little chime sound to say, hey, there's a notification that came in and not give you any additional context on it. If I wanted additional context, just hold down on the Google, hold down on the Pixel Bud and it would trigger the assistant to read my notifications to me and allow me to respond. I thought that was kind of cool. You mentioned this to me or there's a glitch in the matrix and it's deja vu or something, but I, I, this is something that actually made me really interested in them is that feature. I think that's really cool. Yes. At, at first I was really annoyed and I was trying to figure out how to turn off the notification that I was getting notifications on my phone because it was really disruptive at first, especially if there's a really quick back and forth conversation going on that I'm not paying attention to. But the fact that Google made it smart enough to realize, hey, you're not paying attention, so we don't need to bring it to your attention to respond back. That is cool, and that is a very user-friendly tool. I will say, Pixel, the Echo Buds aren't as baked into notifications, so all I would get there is just a chime that there was a notification. It wouldn't actually give me the additional context behind it. So effectively, Google nerfs it so that it is equivalent to other devices if you're not paying attention. So basically what you're saying, though, is that your uh, gadget will detect when you are satisfied by yourself and doesn't need its assistance. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> so what are the other touch controls on the Pixel Buds 2? If you want to adjust the volume, swipe forward for volume up, swipe backwards for volume down. This is one of the things that I did not care for on the Echo Buds is that there was no volume control by touching the buttons. I had to say, hey, a word, set volume to, and it would adjust that way. So I liked having volume control back. If you want to skip a track, double tap on either ear. If you want to go back because you accidentally skipped a track, triple tap. If you want to answer a phone call or to pause your music you're playing, single tap. Pretty intuitive, not terrible to figure out. And what is also cool, and I should have probably put this elsewhere, but wanted to mention here, much like the Echo Buds and AirPods and things like that, you can use only one headphone at a time if you want to. You could have one in only your left or right ear because you want to be more aware of what's going on around you. It's not a problem whatsoever. So part of why Google wants you to get these phones or how they kind of, or excuse me, headphones and how they kind of sell you on it is we have all these cool special features. So there are a couple special features they call out that I think are interesting, one of which I haven't had a chance to test because... In pandemic life, it's difficult to kind of get real-world test of headphones. But the first is their conversation mode. And I think we talked about it a little bit when the Pixel Buds 1 dropped, which is a conversation mode you can act to have real-time translations to better communicate with foreigners or locals if you're the foreigner. You would effectively say to the Buds, hey, G-Word, help me speak whatever language you're trying to say 
It launches Google Translate and it will convert in your ear whatever someone is saying to you. So say Stephen was speaking to me in French for some reason. And I said, help me speak French. It would hear and then start saying it in English, what Stephen would be saying in French. Oui, oui, Poutine. See, it could tell me right there what's going on. I didn't want to try this by listening to like recordings on the internet or something like that because it's not actually a real world use for these as much as it would be speaking to someone who's speaking another language and seeing how well it helps you out. My understanding is they've basically taken the Google Translate app that you can use on your phone and kind of flipped it so that it's doing that transcription automatically and just playing it back in your headphones. I wish I'd had a chance to try it. I haven't had a chance to. Everyone who's reviewed it online says it works out okay, but it's a little disorienting and it doesn't necessarily help you communicate back with the person using the headphones because it's not like you're going to say something in English and the headphones are going to blast something back in French or something like that. So you might have to do like a gadget swap or something like that. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, from from the way people have talked to have used Google Translate when traveling is I think it was either a year or two ago, uh, Justin Robert Young talked about he was going on his trip to Japan, doesn't speak a lick of Japanese, neither he nor his wife. And he lived on Google Translate there where he would say something on the phone and then spin it to them and it would show in text what he said in Japanese and then do an audio playback of it. And then when they responded back, they would say it in Japanese, spin it to him and it would show in English what they said and play back an audio cue of what was said in English. So it's very similar to how that works, I think. It is a pretty appealing feature, especially if you're traveling, right? And you want to want to hear what's going on around you. Yeah, I think so. A couple other things to bring up. I know we're starting to run out of time and I tend to go long on these things. The other feature that they kind of push, which I think is a cool feature and you would never really think about until you needed it, is their Find My Device feature. Enabling it shows you the Bud's current location or if you're nearby, you can enable the ring function on either Bud producing a loud ringing noise to help you find them quickly. So say you were sitting That's on the fantastic. couch, you fell asleep, took a nap, you're like, oh my God, I can't find my headphone. Where did it go? As long as you're in Bluetooth range, you can pull up the app and hit the find button and it's going to make them make a god-awful loud sound, ringing sound, so that you can find them. Note, don't do it with one of them in your ear because it will probably hurt. It's that loud. Can you do the reverse? Can you find your phone from the earbud? I don't know how you would do it. That's not to say it's impossible. I wonder if you could do it through Google Assistant. I know like with Android Wear, which is barely supported right now, it's really cool because I do have a find my phone feature in the notification tray that if I push the button, it starts my phone ringing, even if it's in do not disturb mode. So there are hooks that exist to do that in other products. So I wonder if you could do that through Google Assistant. It's something I can try when we get off of this call. I can put the headphones in and say, hey, find my phone and see if it works. I'm curious. Yeah, because like I, I was thinking about that because there's a couple of times I used to have, don't have many more, but I had those Bluetooth trackers. And mm-hmm. so I had that on my keys. And uh, there was a couple of times that I used that because I could signal from the tracker on my keys back to my phone. And it rings like you said. Yeah. Let's go back to the headphones for a second, though. I've done a lot of talking about these. And you know, the one thing I haven't really touched on is kind of important when it comes to headphones. What's the sound quality like? We'll save that for the end, and it's probably the thing that I'm least qualified to talk about. To my ears, <laughs> it sounds fine. It's all right. I think the sound is better than what I have with my Tick Pods, and I think it's usually better than the Echo Buds. However, the Echo Buds have more bass, so if you're playing bass-heavy things, I like that. Plus, they have the ability to tweak and make adjustments to the treble, the bass, the balance, and things like that. You don't have that ability to do any kind of EQ on the Pixel Buds at this point. 
One of the rumors is that is one of the one of the feature drops coming to them. But I start to kind of go, you know, this sounds to me like another one of those instances where Google is having me buy something to be an early beta tester for them because you probably should have EQ on $180 headphones. Now, yeah. I have found third-party apps that will allow me to basically do my own EQ on headphones that I've been playing around a little bit, little bit with that I can talk about in a future segment. But yeah, there's no EQ on this, and it's lower in bass. And I did talk about how my Echo Buds had active noise cancellation, much like the AirPods Pro do. You don't have that in the Echo in the Pixel Buds too. It's really hard. I keep getting the names confused. But what you do have is an adaptive sound feature that is supposed to optimize volume based on the loudness of your environment around you. Again, this is really hard for me to test during a pandemic because I'm not leaving my house. But how it's supposed to work is assuming you turn it on in the Pixel Buds app, the microphones that are there are constantly listening to the noise around you and are supposed to adjust the volume of your headphones to compensate for loud noise around you so that everything from a user perspective seems to stay at the same volume and isn't drowned out by the noises around you. It's tough to do if you're not going to places with a lot of sound. I had them in my phone, in my ears rather, I was listening to music and I cranked the TV and I think I noticed the volume change, but I don't know and that's not the greatest test to be able to do it. I look forward to taking these, going to the grocery store like I normally would, which can be fairly loud, crowded and hectic and seeing how it works there. So. I can't speak to you how well the adaptive sound features work on the Pixel Buds 2. I wish I could. In regards to calls, which is also what I like to use these for, whenever I have conference calls and stuff for work, I tend to use my wireless headphones on my cell phone. I think they did okay on the calls because there's no active noise cancellation. They don't sit as deep in the air canal as some other headphones. I had to turn the volume up a lot louder than I would like to be able to hear on a phone call. I think I was either one or two button pushes away from max volume on them. that's not comfortable for me because you never know when someone's going to come in there that's already loud, then you've got your headphones turned up so high. In regards to my audio quality back out, no one complained about me dropping off on the call or me sounding terrible, statically, staticky or crackly or anything like that. But they did say, for lack of a better term, that my voice sounded slightly tinny. So there's a little bit of compression going on with the voice going back. It's not overly done, but it is noticeable from what folks had said. But Let's be honest, in today's world, talking on the phone is not what we use our smart devices for most of the time. So that's not a deal breaker for me. No, we don't use them for talking on the phone. Uh, we use them for broadcasting on broadcast television. That's what we yeah, use them for. Porn. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did touch really early on on the battery. Like I said, rated for five hours. I'm getting closer to about four and a half. Uh, what was interesting for me is there's a Twitter thread when I first got these. During the day, I just kind of updated with how my battery is working you tend to get a pretty big mismatch at the very beginning in which earbud is discharging faster. At one point in time, there was a 20% battery difference between my left and right earbud because I guess from what Google has said when people reached out, they kind of switch which headphone is doing most of the processing when it comes to handling commands or handling the OKG word, things like that. So they have said that is how they're designed. One earbud may consume more battery than the other. It's supposed to even out What I had seen is as the Pixel Buds got lower and lower in charge, that difference became less and less. So that when I ran them down the first time, I think the left bud was at 2% when the right bud hit 0%. So effectively, they were both zero at that point in time. One of the things for convenience sake that we always have to talk about is when you're using these wireless earbuds, you need to know how quick they're going to charge back up so you're not without music. 
if you put the uh, Pixel Buds in the charger for 10 minutes, you'll get a two hour charge. And I found it took about 45 minutes or so to fully recharge them from zero. So they recharge pretty quick to about the 40% mark. Overall, final verdict, been pretty happy with them. I think at 180 bucks, the better bang for the buck is the Amazon Echo Buds because I got them on sale for $80, remember. But I think even the regular retail price, I think you get more value with these Echo Buds than you do with the Pixel Buds. Now, that all being said, I'm hardcore in the Google ecosystem, so this intrigues me. Google has me intrigued what's gonna happen with the feature drops. I like the Google Assistant stuff that's hooked in. I like the fact that there's regular firmware updates. Now, that being said, I get firmware updates for these Echo Buds fairly often too. So there are improvements going out all the time. And I did touch on it earlier as we were talking about this. I do feel like, again, this is another one of those cases where I buy a Google product to be their early tester so that six months from now, when they put out a more polished version of the software, it works the way it's supposed to. And I feel like if I go back and look at this six months after launch, when they've done a couple of these feature drops and presumably put the EQ in place so people can adjust things to their tastes, it's gonna be a lot better. And I think at that point, for more people, you can be like, yeah, I would recommend this to you because you're more in control of what's going on. So effectively, my suggestion would be, if you're hardcore in the Android ecosystem and you want headphones that integrate perfectly with Google Assistant, work with your phone real easily, go for it. These are good headphones. But if you just want good wireless headphones, look at something like the Pixel Buds or the Samsung Galaxy Buds. I haven't had a chance to try those myself yet, but from other reviews I've read and friends that have them, they're pretty good. And the regular Galaxy Buds, I think are like $129. So that would save you 60 bucks, 50 bucks. So which do you find more comfortable? More comfortable? Oh, that's the Pixel Buds too. They're far more comfortable because you don't have to jam them as far in your ear canal. With the active noise cancellation aspect of these, they've got to be set more in the ear canal and they don't have that hook on the edge that kind of leverages itself in place in your ear. So all of how these stay in your ear with the Echo Buds is by those tips in your ears. Could you um, use both at the same time? Oh, I don't know. Presumably, if you have a device that can stream to multiple Bluetooth sources at one time, I would think so. I'm just thinking, you know, then you could have a little, like, Chris sandwich. <laughs> oh, that sounds like it would be uncomfortable, though, just because <laughs> the headphones wear very differently. Uh, especially when you can... I, I, forgot, I don't remember what the weight of the Echo Buds is, but at least the way they feel, the Pixel Buds are lighter to me. It doesn't feel as heavy in my ears. Okay. Now, I know really one last question, serious note. You mentioned that the battery does not seem to be going the full five hours. I think you said it was four and a half. Like, is that is that legitimately a make or break for, for you? Like, are you noticing it, that that's a problem? It depends on your use case. Honestly, if you're someone like me who's working at a desk and it could be, hey, I'm going to get up to go to a conference, call, to go to a meeting or go grab lunch or use the restroom and you can toss your headphones back in the case, who cares? Because... The amount of time they'll go back in the case and charge while you're away from your desk, you're probably good to go. But if you're someone who's on the go all day, constantly running around, that's probably a bigger concern because you go, oh, I don't know yeah. when I'm going to have the opportunity to put these into charge. And I think that's always going to be the problem with some of these buds. And I think that's why, what was it, the Galaxy Buds Plus, I think it is, that's supposedly rated for 9 or 12 hours of wireless life. That's a game changer for folks that are constantly on the go and wouldn't have the opportunity to do that. So it really just depends on how you would be using these. If you're someone who's only gonna use them for a few hours at a time, you're good to go. But if you're someone who's talking five, six hours at a go, 
these might not be the product for you. And a lot of these other similar products might not be because most of them all clock in at about the six to eight hour mark, it seems like. I have to say, I think this review has convinced me that I want neither the Google or the Amazon ones because I really like the idea of being able to adjust the volume like this one, but the lack of active noise cancellation kind of bugs me on these. See, that wouldn't bug me because I don't like sticking stuff into my ear. Like, I'd, I'd rather have something that just kind of sits in there. I guess I think something about... That I, have to cr- I don't like things in my ears. I think... It's a good point. That's a good point. That that does bring me a little bit more towards more interested in this than I was 10 seconds ago. Um, but for me, I think like, where am I going to use this? I use this mowing the lawn. I use this, you know, out and with people. I I could see that being a need, but that ah, the comfort, that's a good point, Suncast. And, and the other thing yeah. you consider is they have that adaptive volume feature. And I don't know how well that works in real world applications yet because I haven't had a chance to try it. I think that is arguably what Google is trying to say is, hey, we've got this software that can kind of compensate for the fact there's no active noise cancellation. And noise cancellation is double-edged sword. It's really good as a user experience, but it's also not great for your situational awareness because I've been at like the grocery store before with the Amazon ones in my ear with the noise cancellation on and not knowing some, there was someone right behind me trying to talk to me because I couldn't hear them because of it. So it's a trade-off. That's fair. Well, we'll see. So, Neither are in Canada anyways. What? <laughs> Why didn't they call them the, the Pixel Buddies? <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I, I need them then so we can be the Pixel Buddies for life. Well, thank you for talking about that, Chris Farrell. We always appreciate it when you're willing to come on here and uh, share your personal gadgets with us. Thank you. Oh, happy to do it. And if you are interested about what other little gadgets Chris keeps in his nightstand, please get in touch with Chris at the Chris Farrell on Twitter. He'll tell you about all the things that he puts in his orifices. So before we go, uh, I just want to take a moment to thank Suncast for being on here. Suncast, thank you very much for being on here. I know uh, we did the Saturday stream. It was fun to have that or have you there. It was fun to have you this time. And it's always good to have you on the show. And it's also good when you can help rib Chris with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, I, I love talking about this SpaceX stuff because I think you guys are just as excited about it as I am. It's really cool. I think if you're not excited by all this space stuff right now, there's a little party that might be dead inside right now because <laughs> it's just so cool. And there's such a sense of optimism around it and excitement that a lot of people have. And it's something very good to have. That yeah, excitement. I think SpaceX has done a really good job of bringing back excitement to space exploration. I was thinking about that. Can you think about the bar Boeing has now? <laughs> like, because they're doing a crew or capsule Amazon, as well, or, right? Excuse me. Blue Origin, Bezos' company also. That's true. Uh, but are they anywhere near a crew? Like, do, did they have a NASA bit? I thought it was just Boeing and SpaceX. I don't know. I honestly don't remember. I think they had something. I thought they were going just. Honestly, pro- I thought they were going like pure like uh, tourist tourism yeah, yeah, level, they, and I don't think they had a NASA contract. I don't remember. I don't know. But in, yeah. in any case, um, whoever it is next, I think it's Boeing. Um, let's be honest, SpaceX will probably be rock solid for a while. But uh, whoever's next with, with the the next big NASA launch, uh, they got a high bar. And uh, you saw that collaboration too between between NASA and SpaceX. Like everything had 
you know, split staff. So thanks again. Anyways, thanks for, for doing that, Suncast. On that note, for episode number 333 of the officialgonnageek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying they may have launched into space, but they still have debris to send back to my house. I'm Suncast. Let me hear you say this year is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> I'm Chris Farrell, and I love my Pixel Buddies. But I hate these guys because they're bananas. <laughs> <laughs> checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions which stream mondays at 8 45 p.m eastern at www.geeks.live and remember you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show if you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week. <laughs>